Episode 2. How do we know we can trust the Bible? Welcome to episode number two of the Question Mark Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Elrod. It is so great to be back with y'all. This is our second month, our second episode, and we're going to be talking about the question, how do we know we can trust the Bible? And you may be like, Adam, that's kind of a strange question for a podcast that's focused on talking about Jesus, faith, and the Bible. Um but it's one that comes up a lot. And here's why it comes up a lot. There are a lot of people who do not trust the Bible. They don't trust it as a historical book. They don't trust it as a book to reference. They don't trust it for what it is being the holy word of God. And so this week we're going to kind of talk about it because over the past few weeks and even right after we uh, recorded episode number one, so almost a month ago, this question kept coming up about trust in scripture. So it felt only right to say, yes, we can trust the Bible. I'll go ahead and get that out at the front, but why we trust the Bible and why we lean into it, because it is ultimately going to be the foundation of everything we talk about going forward. In fact, not just forward, but backward. We could talk about if Bigfoot was in the Bible in episode number one, and if you haven't listened to that, go back, uh, check it in the archives. That is a inaugural episode and I feel like it was a pretty decent episode to start us off with um but ultimately we use scripture to say this is why we believe what we believe and so we need to have a defense for that and so we're going to kind of talk through that a little bit so welcome to episode number two I know we've already hit on a lot just from that but ultimately that's where we're going to go and I want to go ahead again and say, rest assured, the Bible is 100% true. We can and should trust it fully. I also want to equip you, though, with why and how, because that is where I've had most of my questions come from when people want to challenge my faith personally, is they want to say, well, is that in the Bible? What's the Bible got to say about that? And they say it in like a really snarky, condescending tone, but ultimately, We just need to know what's in Scripture. As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to know what the Bible does say. So the best place I know to start is in Scripture. And we're going to start with John 1.1. We'll go through verse 5. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. So why start with John? Why start with this scripture right here? Um, because it makes it extremely clear that scripture, or the word, was in the beginning, right? It's our foundation. We use this analogy a lot when we're talking in church that you got to start off with a firm foundation because otherwise the whole house will crumble. Scripture even tells us that. Jesus even told us that um, when it comes to building a house on the rock or building a house on sand. Sand might last for a moment, but when the storm comes, it will go tumbling down. 
And so we're going to start with a firm foundation, which is that, A, this is in Scripture, proving Scripture, and proving that the Bible was in the beginning. But it doesn't just stop there, because it says, before man, there was the Word, and of God, and that it existed. But it says that what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So this Word was not just out somewhere up on a shelf. It was in the presence of God. In fact, it wasn't just with God that John is explaining that the Word was God himself, meaning that it was Jesus himself. Now, to a Jew, this the fact that we're saying that the Word was God would be blasphemous. And then to the Greek, that would have meant that the Word was made flesh is unthinkable. Yet all this is true. So those who were around when John is writing his gospel would have either thought, this is blasphemous, this is unthinkable, it's impossible, it could never happen, yet it did. So we see in verse 3 that the same word also created us. So when people question if the Bible is real and truthful, they are questioning the God that created them. That is like a child looking at its parent and asking if they exist. Now, I have a couple of kids and neither one of them have ever asked me if I was real or if I was you know, a figment of their imagination, because we wouldn't do that. Yet, the lies of Satan are, let's attack the Word of God, let's attack that foundation, and if I can attack that foundation, if I can attack the Word of God, and I can somehow teach people that that's not true, then I can somehow win. I can somehow override this. But he's wrong because the Bible tells us ultimately what's going to happen to him in the end times. But notice also verse 5 because verse 5 helps us understand why they people who don't believe choose not to believe, right? It says that, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So we should not be um, caught off guard when someone who is a, a lost sinner, who has not believed on Jesus, doesn't understand his word because they can't comprehend the light because they are still living in the darkness. So when we talk about this, this is really meaning that when we talk to a lost person and quote scripture, they probably don't understand it because without that relationship with Jesus, this is like a foreign language to them. And that's why when somebody's saved, they have to have the drawing of the Holy Spirit because they need to know there's something more than them pulling them to this. Um, But some people are just not going to uh, believe on Jesus and to believe on his word and they'll never listen to him. Second um, Peter, Second Peter three five puts it this way: it says, "For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water." So here Peter is literally letting us know that no matter the amount of proof we give, some will never believe. That is that they are what. Peter calls willing, willingly ignorant. Willingly ignorant. Some people are just like, I don't care. 
If all the proof in the world is in front of me, I will not believe on Jesus. Y'all ever met somebody who just refuses to admit they're wrong or refuses to apologize ever, even though all evidence shows them that they need to do that, that they are not in the right, yet they refuse and they will dig their heels? That's what Peter's describing here. So this is hard for us, though, as believers just as it is for Jesus, because we want all to come to know him. And it pains us when people just flat out refuse to follow Jesus. Also, as believers, we have to understand that as we witness to people in our lives, ultimately, it isn't up to us that will draw them to Christ. We are what Paul says, you know, we're called to plant, and then he talks about how some are called to water, but God is going to reap the benefit. God is going to draw them in. But, you know, we talked about starting in John 1, 1, but we don't just stop there. John uh, chapter 16, verses 12 through 15 tells this, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So these words right here, if your Bible has the words of Jesus in red, will be read. Jesus is saying this. John is recording it. John is is telling this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's letting us know that it is not our job in, to bring people necessarily. It's the Holy Spirit is going to turn people to the truth, right? He says in verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. But people are willingly ignorant, like Peter said, and even though they have the truth revealed to them by the third member of the Godhead, they still refuse. If people are so prideful that they refuse God himself when he comes to draw them, we shouldn't be shocked if they won't listen to us when we are talking to them about the importance of Jesus. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the most qualified to do this job, right? He knows what he is doing and he knows how to do it. We as believers just have to follow the Lord in his lead for the small part we play in this. Now, the word of God is powerful and can stand on its own. Hebrews lets us know that, right? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what we can pull from that is the word of God is powerful. It's it's sharp. It can pierce. 
It can divide, but ultimately what it's telling us there is that it can get down even to the tightest spots and cracks in our body, in our spirit, in our soul. The Word of God can get into all the nooks and crannies, if you will. And ultimately, it will get into the places that even we try to hide, even the dark parts of our lives that we try to hide. And it's going to go in there, and it's going to, if we will believe on it, refine us and help sanctify us. And so we just need to be in it. So I'm going to ask you a question. We're working through the podcast, but I got a question for you is that we answer the question of the month. But ultimately, how many times are you reading the Bible? Like you're in just a given week, how many times have you read the Bible? Are you reading it daily? Are you reading it multiple times a day? Are you reading it weekly? Are you reading it monthly, yearly, biannually? Right? The Bible is our sword of the spirit. It was in the beginning. It was there when the world was created. It Jesus is the word made flesh. We have to respect it, reverence it, but also we need to be studying it and we need to be carrying it with us always, right? Um, when Paul is writing about the armor of God and he gets that sort of spirit, you know, he's using a Roman soldier as his um, model or example, if you will. And I can promise you a Roman soldier was not going to go out into battle or without his sword and we are fighting a spiritual war every day and we as christians should not be going to battle without our swords you know this the word of god is so powerful and you know jesus prayed for his disciples in the garden of gethsemane right before he was um going to be crucified and he said he said this in John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible is a self-authenticating book, right? That right there is a self-authenticating statement. Because again, going back to our original verse in John uh, chapter 1, we know that Jesus is the Word made flesh, and He's saying the Word is truth. We need to hold on to that truth above all else. We need to be focused on Him. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul describes this. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophies and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We live in that kind of world where people don't want to talk about the truth. They want to talk about their feelings or they'll say, my truth. There, There is no your truth and my truth and their truth and another person has some truth. No, there's one truth because otherwise, if there were multiple truths, my truths could make yours lies and false statements and fables but somebody else could make it where mine are no longer fact. No, there is one fact, and that is that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that he is God in the flesh, that he is the word, and that he has given us scripture. Since before man was made to study 
and we can trust it fully. Paul also tells um, Timothy this in 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16, 17, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What that telling us right there is, first off, it's proven the point also that this is inspiration from God, of God, by God. It is God. <laughs> Jesus is the Word made flesh. And so when people want to combat you and say, well, oh, well, men wrote it and you know what? Men edited it and this, that, and the other. No, it is the inspiration of God. The Holy Spirit inspired it. This is why we don't just add in every single um, piece of documentation that was written by just anybody back in biblical times. No, Jesus set out to do a work. The Holy Spirit inspired men to write it. And God had placed this as the holy doctrine from the beginning. And notice what Paul says there, right? He says that the Word of God is profitable. What? Profitable for doctrine. Yeah. If anybody's telling you to unhitch any part of the Bible from another piece of the Bible, they're a liar. They are a false prophet. Do not listen to them. They are a liar. Um, For reproof, right? So it's actually meant to be a form of proof for correction. So we have authority to correct false doctrine. When people stand against the word of God, we are called and given authority to correct that. And we should correct that. And we should not cower. We should not hold back. We should correct that with all that we are. And for instruction in righteousness, right? This is our instruction book. And this is the most detailed instruction book you will ever have. And notice what it says in verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is going to make us as perfect as we're going to get this side of heaven. It's going to help sanctify us. We're still going to be sinners, but it's pointing us to do the good works of God. It's a clear example that the Bible being inspired by something higher than us, above the ideals and thoughts of this world, it was created by God himself. Now, some people will say, oh, well, you know, you, you can't focus in on the Bible that much. You can't, you, can't, you can't use the Bible to prove the Bible, but in fact, we can. It, again, it is a a self-authenticating book, and we need to tell people what's in it, why it's important. We need to be studying it daily. We need to study to show ourselves approved. That's what Scripture tells us. And how else can we prove it? Well, the same way that Jesus proved that he was the Christ, right? He fulfilled all the prophecies about the Messiah. The Bible proved he was who he was supposed to be. He was able to prove himself because of that. And it goes back to where we all started, that he was in the beginning and is the word and he is God. So all this coming together leads me to my final point. When looking for a Bible to read, 
you need to make sure that you're looking for a word-for-word translation. Because here's the thing. Unfortunately, there are a ton of different translations of Scripture. A lot of them are just meant to make money, just calling a spade a spade. But they are not actually holding true to what Scripture is and what it says. And so I encourage you, if you have a Bible in your house, make sure it's a word-for-word translation. And this question has come up many times in my my ministry years. I, in fact, I just had someone um, comment about it on uh, social media not too long ago. Um, because if we're not choosing a word-for-word translation, what we're getting is a paraphrase. And that's cutting out scripture that the and the editor is putting their assumed intent into a paraphrase. And you're gonna miss scripture. Just like if I'll use this as an example. If I said Spot ran after the ball to catch it before it went across the street. That's the word for word version of it. But I paraphrase it and it just says Spot ran. Well, you missed why he was running, where he's running, and what he was trying to prevent. So if you paraphrase something, you're going to miss so much. I personally prefer the King James Version. Um, Every time we read Scripture, we'll be coming out of the King James Version. Uh, And I know I've heard it over the years. People like, I don't quite understand it. It's in the Old English. The KJV is written in a fifth grade reading level. So... I I understand why people say that, but ultimately, if we take the time to really study and pray over Scripture, we can understand it. I also like the New King James Version. Um, That is another one that I will study. They're both word-for-word translations, but I would implore you, do not use a paraphrase translation because you will miss things. You will misquote things. People will misquote Scripture to you, and ultimately, we, when we're tested and people want to ask us questions to test our faith, we might miss something. What did Jesus do when he was in the garden for 40 days and 40 nights? And Satan then comes and tries to tempt him. He quoted scripture. And Satan tried to twist scripture and cherry pick scripture. But ultimately, Jesus quoted scripture. We need to make sure that we are equipped wholly to do that as well. So I encourage you, find a word-for-word translation of the Bible. So, But that is all the time we have. Thank you for listening to episode number two. Um, if you've got more questions, reach out to me through our social media. Um, ultimately, though, how, can we, how do we know that we can trust the Bible? Because the Bible tells us so. Kind of right, same way we know Jesus loves us. It goes back to the old um, children's song because the Bible tells us so. It's self-authenticating, and we believe it fully because it was there in the beginning. It was with God, and the Word was God. So thank you so much for joining us for episode number two. Please subscribe so you get each new episode directly into your podcast feed. Go ahead and rate us five stars so others will um, also see us pop up in their podcast feed. And if you don't mind, share the podcast with others. Uh, I got quite a few um, notes and messages from people that I know that shared the podcast with others that have questions about faith, that are wondering about faith. And I would highly encourage you, if there's somebody you know that's um, got questions about faith, please share the podcast. 
It's one of the reasons we felt led um, by the Lord to make this. And also, if you know somebody who has questions and they aren't going to reach out, and you're like, I don't know necessarily how to witness to them in this, please send them my way because I will answer those questions. And that gives you an opportunity to say, hey, I didn't have the answer, but I, I knew of somebody who who could and would spend the time to really break this down. Um, here's a podcast, that, and everything will stay anonymous. All the questions we ever get will stay anonymous. So, um, But ultimately, thank you all so much for joining us for episode number two of the Question Mark Podcast.